The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. The topic of today's sermon is Justification by Grace. Article 5 of the Articles of Faith of Zion Primitive Baptist Church reads as follows. We believe that sinners are justified only in the sight of God by the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. Justification is a courtroom term. It has to do with making one right or causing one to be such as he ought to be. When a defendant in a court of law is acquitted, He's considered to be justified from the charges that were brought against him. We learned in the last sermon in this series that because of the sin of Adam, our father, man is no longer justified in the courtroom of heaven, and rather he stands condemned and guilty before a thrice holy God. Therefore, we must be justified in his sight in order to enter heaven. We believe that that kind of justification occurs solely and wholly by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. It's only because his righteousness has been imputed to us that we're able to stand before the bar of justice, completely justified, made that which we ought to be in the sight of God. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Out in the cold world, away from God, no signs of Singing on my way 
This morning, I feel a burden to go back to our Articles of Faith. And I want you to turn to the fifth chapter of the book of Romans, if you will. And we're going to deal with the topic this morning, Lord willing, of justification. Justification. You see, Article 5 of our Articles of Faith here at Zion Primitive Baptist Church reads as follows. We believe that sinners are justified only in the sight of God by the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. You may recall the last time we dealt with Article 4, which spoke about original sin, which is just the way we, we talk about the fact that Adam, when he sinned, was our representative. And when he ate of the fruit in the garden there that he was told not to eat of, we were all represented in him, and we all fell in him, and his original sin is imputed to all of his posterity. You turn over to the fifth chapter of Genesis there, and you'll read about him begetting children. He begat a son in his image, in his likeness. Remember, Adam was created in the image and likeness of God. But when he ate of the fruit, he fell from that perfect, innocent state that he was in. He became a sinner. He became separated from God in a spiritual sense. And, and in fact, death entered into the world by Adam. And we're going to see that again. We went to Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 last time to, to show particularly there that Adam's sin affected us all. And let's just read that this morning. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, it says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now, it's so much in there that I don't want to review too much there except to say this, that notice that Adam was our federal head. He was our representative. We in America ought to understand that. We elect representatives to go to the federal seat of the federal government to represent us. God chose the perfect representative for us. No man could have been better. I don't care if you've been there. I'd been there. Sometimes people say, I don't like it that Adam represented me. If I'd have been there, I'd have done different. I say amen to that. You'd have run straight to the tree and eaten of the fruit probably. I know I felt like I, I feel like I would have. <laughs> I'm so much more of a sinner. I'm Adam multiplied, as I've heard it put. And all have sinned. We all sinned in Adam. And by the way, you all sin every day, right? Yeah. I don't know about you, but I've already sinned this morning. I can think of several. And there's sins I commit sometimes that I forget about. Somebody says you've got to repent of every sin and you've got to do that in order to stay in the faith and stay in as a child of grace. You can't even remember every sin you committed every day. Some of them are sins of neglect. Some of them are just sins of not thinking about the Lord when you're supposed to be devoting your entire mind and soul and body and spirit to Him. <laughs> but see here, as we saw last time, Adam was our representative. But notice what, what this article of faith says. And it follows right on the heels of Article 4. It says, we believe sinners are justified. <laughs> Boy, that's, that's amazing in and of itself. The very fact that a sinner, one who is condemned, you know, the opposite of justification is condemnation. If someone's justified, they're not condemned. If they're condemned, they're not justified. See, those are opposite terms. It's amazing that one who is condemned, and rightly so, could be justified. And we're going to see that as we go through this this morning. I want to, I want to talk a little bit about this 
hope we'll finish on this part because I've got some other, uh, some other aspects of justification that I want us to talk about maybe next time. But notice that we believe that sinners are justified. How do we believe that sinners are justified? Do we believe they're justified by their works? No, we're going to see here in a few minutes that that can't be. Do we believe they're justified somehow by their choices? No, I, I don't know about you. My choices are all tainted with sin. Even when I do good, sin is present with me. Paul says, I find that to be absolutely true. <laughs> you know, I've said this before, and I hate to be the one. I'm always up here confessing to y'all. I'm going to have a confession day. I'm going to make everybody out there get up here and do what I do every Sunday and confess. But anyway, now I'm not going to do that. Keep coming. I don't want you to stay awake and you think I'm going to make you do that. So, but but uh, but so so I do something good, and you know you know the best way to do something good is to do it secretly, right? You know, is to you know give an anonymous gift, give a do an anonymous good deed, and I've done some of those, but every time I've done them. I've, I've desperately wanted somebody to know about it. <laughs> Haven't you? I mean, I just want somebody to know. I don't want to tell them, but, but I want you to find out about it so you'll know what a good guy I am. She said, that's kind of, so my point is, my, even when I do right, my, my mind and my heart is all messed up. <laughs> I am afflicted with the curse of sin that was brought upon us by Adam. But yet we believe sinners are justified. How? Well, only by the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. And we're going, to get, we're going to talk about that, Lord willing, this morning. And I think we're going to be excited about that when it's all over with. Because, see, it doesn't, it doesn't tell us that, that there's something we must do. And it doesn't tell us that, that, that even that there's some excuse. No, it tells us that somebody loved us enough to come and die for us. Yeah. So what about justification? The word justification literally means to render just or innocent, to judge or declare or pronounce righteous and therefore acceptable, or to make or to declare righteous. Justification is a courtroom term, and it's generally used in connection with legal proceedings. It's like an acquittal. Acquittal it means it's the, someone who's acquitted has been justified from whatever they were charged with. And as I said already, it means the opposite of condemned or condemnation. So when we read about justification, we're going to see the components of a courtroom. And we're going to see, by the way, that it's important to know which courtroom is under consideration because what I want to preach to you about this morning is justification by grace. But we also read about justification by faith. And we read about justification in the book of James by works. You say, hold, time out, I thought it was all of grace. Well, it's important to know which courtroom we're talking about. And today, we're talking about the eternal courtroom of God. The courtroom that is before the throne of grace. The place where perfect judgment is rendered in every single case. The, the place where every work of every man will be judged at some point and in some way. You say, wait a minute, I thought it wasn't about works. No, it is all about works. Your works are going to be judged. The question is, are they judged upon you or are they judged in Christ? And I want to go ahead and give you the, the good news. The back, I've read the back of the book, <laughs> and the back of the book says that our sins as his children have been judged in Christ. And that's why we can stand justified. So in the eternal courtroom of God, 
which is what we want to focus on today. For there to be a courtroom, there has to be law, okay? Um, because Romans 4 and verse 15 says, where there is no law, there's no transgression. So, so there had to be law. You said, well, the law of Moses wasn't given until uh, some thousands of years after Adam, but, but there was a law. There was a law in Genesis 3, 17. You can go back and read it. He said, there's one tree in the garden you cannot eat of, and in the day you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. Thou shalt, thou shalt surely die. So there was a law. There's, there's a lawgiver. The Lord is our judge, we're told in Isaiah 33 and verse 22. The Lord is our lawgiver. He is our lawgiver. He's, he's our king. He's our lawgiver. He's our judge. James 4.12 says there is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Let me just say this. That doesn't mean we don't judge. Uh, we, you know, people say, well, you're not supposed to judge. Well, that, in one context, exactly right. I cannot tell whether you're going to heaven or whether you're going to hell. So, well, wait a minute. Can, didn't you, can I look and see which choices you made? If I looked at all your choices and weighed them out against one another, I'm sorry to tell you, your bad choices would have outweighed your good choices. What about your works? Your good works would have been outweighed by your bad works. <laughs> so, so if I were to judge in that way, everybody's going to hell. <laughs> Especially me, I know all of my works. I know how bad I am. I'm worse than anybody here in my mind. And so, uh, so I would look at you and try to, I'd pronounce everyone condemned. But you know, I understand that, that there are fruits of righteousness. I get that. There's fruits of the Spirit. So surely we can look at somebody and say, well, I just didn't see any fruit of the Spirit in them. I guess they died and went to hell. What about the thief on the cross? What fruit did you see in his life? Think about if you were his mom or daddy or you were his brother or sister and you knew about the life he lived and how wicked he was. He wasn't just a pickpocket. He was, you know, the thieves on the cross were, were what we would call robbers today. And robbery is something different than theft. Theft doesn't involve violence, but robbery involves force and violence. They were malefactors. And if I were standing around that day and looked up on that cross and saw my brother there and said, well, I guess he's just, he's getting what he deserved. And he'll be in hell when he dies. If they never got to read the book of Luke, I'm sure it was a big surprise to them when they opened their eyes in heaven one day and there he was. <laughs> the Lord said, this day shalt thou be with me in paradise. You see, we can't tell. That's the kind of way we can't. Now, can we judge whether someone's doing right or someone's doing wrong? Absolutely. We should judge those things. We have to judge every day in our lives in the sense of, uh, this is a person I can hang out with. Doesn't mean it's not a person going that's, that's not going to hell, but maybe they're doing wicked deeds. We don't need to hang out with them. We don't need to have in our circle of influence people who have worldly ideas. And are, that doesn't mean we reject them and are never friendly to them or don't do anything around. But it just means we don't bring them into our circle of influence. We have to judge in that way. But we don't judge one another in the way that God judges. There's violation when you come to court. Some, somebody's brought before the bar of justice is because they've committed some kind of violation. 1 John 3, 4 says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. See, when we do things that we shouldn't do, that God has said not to do, we have violated the law of God. That is sin in the sight of the Lord. And then in every case, there's a penalty, right? There's a penalty. Well, you go all the way back to the garden and you read about the penalty for sin. In the day you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. You know, Adam, I don't know, 
You say, well, he didn't die physically. No, he died in that he was separated from God. What's the first thing he did? He tried to cover himself up and hide among the creation that God had made. He was separated spiritually. And that day he died spiritually, was separated from God, but he also began to die physically. And you'll notice that over in, I think it's 2 Peter, uh, about the third, or third chapter there, I believe it is, he says that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. Nobody ever lived to be a thousand years old. You ever notice that? <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the day you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. Adam died at 930 years old. Methuselah, the oldest man that ever lived, died at 969. There is a penalty for sin. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. So we see the courtroom setting. And then as we begin to consider ourselves in light of the bar of the justice, the eternal justice of God, isn't it true that we stand in great need of justification? We stand in great need of justification because as I've already said, we aren't standing before God neutral and could go either way. We stand before God as sinners condemned. And that brings us to this Romans chapter 5 here, which we've already read in verse 12, that by Adam, by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men. This doctrine of original sin is that every person born into this world, every person born of a woman in this world is a sinner by nature, by choice, and by practice. And the rest of this, verses 13 down through about verse 19, is a discourse about condemnation and justification. And I want us to look at that this morning in light of this topic of justification. As we continue reading there in Romans chapter 5 and verse 13, he, he gives us a little parenthetical to explain what he's talking about. He's already said we're all sinners and death comes by sin and death is passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And, and, and he goes on to say here, basically, if you want to know if somebody's a sinner, just wait and see if they die. <laughs> if you, wait and see if they die. <laughs> because the result of sin is death. And I got some news for you. We're all going to die if the Lord tarries. I got, I got a sneaking suspicion we're all sinners because of that. Notice he says, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, which is the figure of him that was to come. He's elaborating on this doctrine of original sin right here. And he's saying that even before the law, he's speaking, I believe, of the law of Moses here. Even before the law, sin was in the world. The, the Jews in that day placed great uh, importance upon the law of Moses, and the, as well they should have. Uh, they misunderstood its purpose. They thought it was the pathway to heaven, and instead it was that which pointed them to the fact that they could not work their way to heaven. But, but notice that even before Moses gave the law on Mount Sinai, some you know, 1,500 years or so, or maybe longer after Adam was here, there was already death in the world. He said, sin is not imputed where there is no law, but yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, which the logical conclusion there is that there was a law that had been broken. Well, I believe... There were many laws that were being broken. God was giving little pieces of the law here and there. He gave, uh, gave some law to Noah, he, uh, some, some rules to follow, but the primary one was the one he gave to Adam in the garden 
He said, don't eat of the fruit, because when you do, you'll become a sinner. You know, the Jews missed that. As I said already, the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law was never to bring us to God. The purpose of the law was to point us to the one who, who it would be necessary to sin to bring us to God. Notice over in Romans chapter 7, just turn over there just for a minute, in the 13th verse, as Paul begins to talk about the law and how that by the law he realized he was a sinner, he kind of sums up the purpose of the law in verse 13. He said, was that then which is good made death unto me, God forbid, but sin that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. Now he's not saying that sin, the quality of sin, has gotten greater because the law was here. What he's saying is, is that our understanding of sin has gotten greater because we now see what God requires in his law. You remember the young king Josiah, who was the last good king of the southern kingdom of Judah? Uh, you might turn some time back there and read the account of how when he, became, when he became king there, after a long series of really wicked kings, the, the temple worship had been shut down. Nobody had gone to the temple in a couple of generations. He sent the priest into the temple, and the priest found the book of the law that was lost in the temple of God. I always find that ironic that the word of God was lost in the house of God. If they'd just gone to the house of God, they would have found the word of God. Boy, that's a, that's a lesson in and of itself, isn't it? <laughs> uh, but they went there and found it. And when he came back and read it to Josiah, Josiah, he already understood he was a sinner to a great, no doubt to a great extent because he realized they were doing things wrong and he tried to correct them. But when they read the law to him, he repented in sackcloth and ashes. And he said, woe is me. He realized just how exceeding sinful sin really was. The Mosaic law came in to show us how sinful sin really is. It is exceeding sinful in the sight of God. Now, let me just stop here and say this. If you have any questions about how exceeding sinful sin is, and about how much God hates sin, all you got to do is look at the cross. All you got to do, I've said this so many times, you ought to know what I'm about to say. You put your son on the cross. You put one of your children on the cross. And, 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 and think about that and think to yourself as I do, I believe that's the point I would just say, you know, it's not quite as bad as I thought it was. We're just going to excuse it in this instance. I want my son to come down off the cross. God hates sin so much, he would not allow his son to come down off the cross. He crucified him. He was crucified for us. He stayed on that cross because sin is exceeding sinful in the sight of God. Back over in chapter 5, he says, Nevertheless, death reigned. From Adam to Moses, verse 14, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, which is the figure of him that was to come. Notice what's happening here. This is an interesting comparison. And we don't find this comparison anywhere. We have a lot of types of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Joseph, um, Isaac, many others we can name. But we don't have anywhere anybody called the figure of him that was to come. 
Notice this first Adam. Notice what the, 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 the similarity is. Under the first Adam, who is the figure of him that was to come, under the first Adam, Adam himself, sin was imputed to all of Adam's posterity, to all of Adam's children. Well, the, the similitude is, or the similarity is, is that in the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, righteousness was imputed to all of his children. You see? You see the comparison there? He said he is the figure of him that was to come. We fell in sin through Adam. And by the way, we fall in sin every day. Back up in verse 12, remember he said, by one man sin entered into the world, death came upon all men through his transgression. But he also said, for that all have sinned. Yes, we sinned in figure in Adam, but yes, we sin every day in life and in reality. I am a sinner, not just by nature, but by choice and practice. I'm not saying that to brag and boast. I'm saying that to my shame. I'm saying that uh, in a hateful way. I hate the fact that I'm a sinner. I had such a good day yesterday. I told Sherry, I said I was, I was working and studying in the Word. I was doing some work outside. I wish every day could be like yesterday. But I know as sure as I'm standing here that I'll wake up tomorrow morning or Tuesday morning and I'll wake up on the wrong side of the bed and everything will go bad and I'll be ill as a hornet and they'll have to deal with me and she'll have to remind me what I said from the pulpit. And that'll make me mad too, Brother Gunn. <laughs> Tell my kids, don't use my words against me later in the week. But see, we fall in sin every day. All have sinned. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, back over to Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 20, he said, There's not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. You're not the exception, I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> I'm certainly not. I'm certainly not. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J. C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.